sit down. We have things to do. Uh, it's good to see you. Uh, my resolution, beginning in September, second Sunday of September, uh, is to get up and down off this stage in 30 minutes. So you ready? Not 50. Like, I don't, I don't have any margin. It's like 30 or 50. So I'm working on 30. So let's uh, get started. Welcome aboard. My name is Derek. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here. And um, welcome. And if you're new with us, that's who I am. Although I don't preach typically once a month. Um, I'm not going to tell you which weekend that is this month because I've been able to talk. Well, when I don't preach, on the Sundays that I don't preach, I kind of serve in another area like kids or host team or whatever. And, uh, but I've convinced Jeff, our worship pastor here, to let me play in the band this month. So uh, that's going to happen. I'm not going to tell you what week that is. I don't know if they're going to plug me in or not, but uh, I'm going to be in the band. So uh, glad you're here and looks like a good bunch of people. You guys look awake. Are you awake? Okay, all right. Um, my brother and his wife are back from England after five years. So they're like, who? We don't, we don't care? Uh, now, my brother was over there doing his PhD stuff, and he's awaiting on that phone call, right? Is it a phone? What do they do nowadays? Oh, okay. Okay, all right. Awesome. So there's a PhD pending. Okay, all right, that's what we're doing. Um, mine's pending as well. So, <laughs> so, are you ready? We're going to talk about prayer for the next four Sundays. The art behind me is awesome. It's just the Lord's Prayer and a lot of different Sharpies. And I don't know if you've picked up on that. But um, the Lord's Prayer, the Jesus Prayer, uh, we'll look at it a little bit today, actually a lot today, but it really forms for us um, this, this journey of like learning how to pray. The title of the series is, is intentionally uninteresting. It's just learning to pray. That's what we're doing. There's no creative element to it other than when it comes to prayer, we're just going to talk about how we learn to pray. And, um, and at the end of the day, that's what we want. I mean, we could talk theory and theology, which we'll do a little bit. We could talk history and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, if we're going to be people who pray... Uh, if you want to be a person that gets better at praying, like it really just comes down to, well, just let's just talk about how we pray. Let's just learn how to pray. That's pretty much what we want to do uh, over the next four weeks. I love the series ahead of us. We worked hard uh, to really put the right pieces in place today. I'm going to talk about one of the ways we learn to pray is that we just we steal prayers, like we just pray the prayers of other people. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, so this is sort of a cover song, cover band prayer. This is what we're doing. We're just going to pray other people's prayers for a while. Next week, we'll talk about improvisation, freestyle, free form, like just praying from the hip. We'll talk about what that's like. Uh, on week three, the title of the week three is A Beggar's Kingdom, which is just about asking God for stuff. So we'll talk about what, that's, what that means, what we should ask for, maybe what we shouldn't ask for, how we should ask, what should we expect. And then on week four um, is about dealing with kind of the disappointment that comes when we pray and nothing happens, right? Because that, that happens quite a bit. And so we'll talk about that. The title of that week we stole from a, uh, a great old blues singer named Howlin' Wolf, and the title of week four is I Asked Her for Water and She Brought Me Gasoline. <laughs> so that should set the tone uh, for what we're going to talk about on week four, all right? So that's, that's, that's where we're at. Um, are you ready? 
Quick story. Uh, this is my son with his new skateboard uh, walking up 12th Street from the skate, the great skate escape skate shop at Piedmont Park. Anybody been there? No. Okay. Um, you should go. We, he'd been saving his money. He wanted a skateboard. He doesn't know how to skateboard. He wants a skateboard. I still have a couple of skateboards. I have one of those longboards because I'm old now and you have to have a longboard. And, um, but he wanted to buy one, so he saved his money. And we went down to Skate Escape and we bought his first board, which is where I bought my first pair of roller skates in like 1981, and, um, which they still sell roller skates. I was pretty impressed that people will actually buy those things. But, and they didn't care, by the way, that I had been there in 1981. I was like, this is where I bought my first pair of roller skates. And they're like, I don't care. So, uh, so it was really kind of fun because he, he, the only thing he knows about skateboarding is that he watched the X Games all summer. That's what he did. And so all he knows is that skateboarding is just cool. Like, that's all he knows. And that he wants to do it, that he wants to, you know, get on a skateboard and do it. So he's like, I want to buy this. So we, we went down there and we bought the skateboard and the people were great. They, they knew that he had no idea what he was talking about. And because uh, he was just talking about skateboarding and they're just like, he knows enough. He knows enough skater names. He follows them on Instagram. And, but he doesn't really know how to skateboard. So they're showing him how to stand on it, how to, where the feet go, and this is how you wear your helmet, and these are the pads you need, and all that. Uh, so it was, really, it was really cool. And then we went home and went out to the back. Uh, we have this, like, parking area where he could skate by the dumpster. And so we're just, you know, I'm just telling him, like, this is what you do. You get on it, you kick, and then you, you go. Like, that's pretty much how you do it, right? And he's falling. I've got some good video of him falling, but I promised him I wouldn't show him that today. Uh, I mean, I've got one where he goes down, and it's like, you think you're going to the hospital, but he gets back up. So, um, but we, you know, we have all these, well, then he has the board like three days, two or three days, and he says, can we go to the skate park in the old fourth ward? Have you been there? Really? I mean, what do you, what do you people do? Like, (laughs) uh, okay, there's a skate park in the old fourth ward, uh, built by Tony Hawk. There you go. Uh. What do you care? You don't even go anyway. Uh, we were there yesterday, by the way, and there were some ultimate Frisbee games going on in the field beside it, which is a pretty cool thing to watch. This dude, like, is walking through the, the ultimate Frisbee games carrying a full-size mattress. Just from one end of the park, through the games, onward. And I'm sitting in the lawn chair watching this thing happen. I was like, I love the city, you know? What is going on here? Uh, what was I saying? Oh, he said, can we go to the skate park? And I was, okay, that's fine. So we drive down there. We had never been there before. We drive down there, and we pull up, and he's got all his stuff. He's got the helmet on, the elbow pad. He looks like a, like a transformer, you know, <laughs> and uh, all jointed out with, like, the, the pads on the knees and the elbows. And he walks into the skate park area, and it is filled with um, skaters, and let me just tell you, because I hung out in these places in high school, it has not changed. It is like Thrasher magazines on the ground. Nobody's got pads and helmets on, which kind of made my son uncomfortable because he was the only one. But they're just all shirtless, smoking, skating, and they're awesome. Like, I was really impressed. Like, I was trying to take pictures of these people. And um, so he's learning to skate, but he's also learning how to, like, weave together a nice tapestry of profanity. Like, he's learning that, too. Uh, so there's, like, all this stuff going on. 
But he gets down in the bowl. And, uh, I mean, getting down, it like he crawls down in there, and he's just standing there. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, just get on and go, you know? And uh, it's really intimidating because everybody is flying through there and, you know, skating, right? And he's just, he, he's never done this before, but he wanted to go. Well, he, we're there for like an hour or so. And there's another kid his age in the bowl, but his dad was with him, and his dad was skating. And the dad could tell that Alden had never been here before. And so the dad walks up to Alden, like after 15, 20 minutes of him just standing there, and he said to him, um, what's your name? And he said, well, my name's Alden. And he said, can I, can I show you how to do this? And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Because, I mean, he's not listening to me, you know, because I'm, whatever. But... Uh, <laughs> So the dad spends the next 20, 30 minutes with my son, like, showing him, like, this is how, this is how you do it. This is how you go up the transition. This is how you come back down the transition. Like, it was just kind of a cool thing. But what it proves is, this is what it proves. It proves that we need to move on in this story. But this is what it proves. Like, no one's a natural. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, maybe he looks, like, maybe he can ride it now, which he can. He's much better now. And he's on the board. And it's like, oh, he's a natural. No, he's not a natural. He had some, somebody had to tell him how to do it, right? And maybe he's got like something with his equilibrium and his chemistry buildup or whatever, like he's got good balance. I don't know. But you're not like a natural skateboarder. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to have people around you that show you where to stand, what to do, what not to do. If you're going to fall, this is how you should fall. Like there's all these things you have to learn in order to be good at it. And he got his first experience in that, like because he's thinking, I'll buy the board, I can do this thing because I've seen it on TV. But the truth is you need you got to practice, you got to get with people who know what they're doing, and you let them instruct you, and you let them teach you. Does that make sense? So the, the transition here is, the same thing holds true for prayer. We often think that prayer just comes naturally. Now there is this natural inclination to groan about the way things are in the world, and to seek out something beyond ourself, right? Like there is, we do have that within us. We do have this we feel the need to call out on behalf of people or on behalf of a situation or there's something going on in our own life where we don't really feel self-contained, like we have to reach out in some form. And prayer, it's natural in that sense that we are built to do that. But as far as actually praying and like saying words to God, like that, it's not always a natural thing for us. We have to learn to, we have to, learn to pray. There's a great story, uh, and this is where I want to start in our series, is not with a theory, but with an event in the life of Jesus. And there's this great story in Luke chapter 11 where uh, Luke says this, um, the disciples of Jesus went to Jesus and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now before this, uh, let me read the, the before part, before they ask him to do this, um, the first part of the verse is very interesting because it says, now Jesus was praying in a certain spot, a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, and then you have the request on the screen, Lord, teach us to pray. It's a very odd request, and let me just tell you the main reason why this is an odd request. These men are Jewish. They are adults. And because they are Jewish and because they are adults, they have grown up within a very deep-rooted prayer tradition that the Jews do. 
And so for them to come to Jesus and say, hey, can you teach us to do that? Is almost like we don't know how to pray or maybe Jesus is doing something that they've never seen before or he's saying things in a certain way that they've never heard before in prayer or maybe he's sitting a certain way. Did he, was he praying silently because most Jews pray out loud? I don't know if you know that, but like prayer is something you do out loud. If you ever eat lunch with a uh, a faithful Jew who will pray for the meal, they typically pray with their eyes open and they look at you. It's really creepy. Like you're, I'm having lunch and I'm like, what's happening? Whoa, what are you doing? Why are you looking, holding the bread to my face and saying, Lord, you know, and like, hey, what is happening? But prayer is very communal. So they, they look at one another, they speak out loud. And yet Jesus is doing something that triggers this response in the disciples that one of them goes to him and says, teach us to pray. We want you to teach us to pray. And so I find, the, I find the request really odd because, again, they come from a tradition that already knows how to pray. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And yet they feel the need to ask Jesus to teach them to pray. So we don't really know what caused them to do this. We can speculate. But what we do know is that their request says something that we should all remember, and that is that when it comes to prayer, we're always learning. There's always something to add to. There's always something to think about. There's always something to implement into our own prayer life. And so when they go up to Jesus, they teach us to pray. It's a very odd question, but it it tells us something that we already know, and that's that we're not not natural at this. We We have to grow and learn. Now, his response is interesting. Jesus does not say, oh, okay, teach you to pray. Um, just say whatever you want to say. Just, just go with it. Just, uh, you know, whatever's in your heart, just say it. Just, you know, speak your mind. Now, all those things are fine, and we'll actually talk about that next week, but that's not what he tells them. He doesn't say, oh, uh, prayer's easy, just say whatever you want to say. He says, actually, we'll put it on the screen for you. He says something different. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So instead of saying, oh, just say whatever you want to say, he instead gives them a script Are you with me? Right? It almost seems rudimentary. Like, I've been waiting for you guys to ask me to teach you to pray because you're terrible at it. So here's the training wheels. Like, just say these things and you'll be good. Right? And this is what he, that's what it says. When you pray, Jesus said, say, like recite, is a good word, recite this. Take these words and use them as your prayer. This is what I want you to say. Now, does Jesus care if we say what we want to say? Absolutely not. We'll talk about that next week. Like, of course he wants us to say what's on our mind and what we're thinking and what we're struggling with and why we're happy, why we're sad, why we're angry, of course. But let's just assume we all don't know how to pray. Let's just assume all of us in the room are starting at square one. Let's assume that none of us is proficient at it. Let's assume that most of us are uneasy with it. If we go to Jesus and say, teach us to pray, he gives us this and instructs us to say it, to recite it, to just use this as your prayer. Now, why would he do that? Well, again, it's part of their tradition. 
You know the book of Psalms in the Bible? Otherwise known as the Psalter, if you're a cool kid. Uh, The Psalms. The Psalms. By the time Jesus comes along, the Psalms in the Old Testament was at that point, it's really five different books that we call the Psalter. It was essentially the Jewish prayer book. That's what it was. It was the thing that they used to pray. Well, how do they use it to pray? They say them. They just say them. They pray them. We read them devotionally. They said them to God. These, these are our prayers. So Psalm 1, they open Psalm 1, and it's not something they read devotionally so much as something they pray. Psalm 2, they pray it. This is their prayers. This is what they prayed. If you read through the gospel stories, Jesus quotes the Psalms more than anything else. Why? Because he's bathed in it. That's how he prays. That's how he was raised. John Golden Gay says it this way, I love it. Uh, While the rest of the Bible speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. Isn't that awesome? The rest of the Bible is the story coming at us, but the Psalms speak for us. We take them and we say them as prayers. I take part in a prayer tradition, and I'm not perfect at this by any standard, but it moves me through speaking the Psalms as prayers, all 150 of them, every 30 days. So you do some in the morning, some in the afternoon, and some in the evening. Essentially five a day. But they're prayers. They're not, I don't take notes on them. I don't think about them as sermons. I don't say, oh, it's really good. I got to tweet that. Like, I, that's not what they are. They're actually, I'm going to say these as prayers. And you know what? It's really odd because some of them are very, very strange. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but it stretches our understanding of prayer. So the fact that Jesus gives them a script has precedent. Like, that doesn't throw them. Of course, I mean, here, here's what you say. Say these things. Teach us to pray, and he gives them something to say. Why is a set prayer worth it? Doesn't seem very genuine, does it? I used to think that. People who had like prayer books, like, what are you doing with that? That's like so, that's so fake. That's not very genuine. And yet, there are certain songs that I didn't write, and I hear them on the radio or whatever, and like, you know how they just become part of you? and they mean something to you? Um, are you guys into music? Because you're not into skating. You know where the skate park is. Are you into music? Okay. You know how there's like just certain songs, and you're like, man, when that song comes on, like, it says so much about my life or my situation, and when I sing that song, like, it's like I wrote it. Are you with me on that? Or a poem, you know, like, there's a, probably not into poetry, but, uh, but when you read a certain, like, it becomes like, I could have wrote this. I could have sat down and written this. It's, all, it's almost like it's my song. It's why bands do covers. You know, like when they, you know, they do a cover song, it's like they interpret it like they love this song so much, they, they wish it was theirs. They wish they had written it. And so it's okay. Like if you have set prayers, like the Lord's Prayer or the Psalms or whatnot, they can become your prayers. And in fact, I'll, I would argue that they eventually do become your prayers. The more you pray, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That becomes your prayer. That becomes the thing that you say to God. It becomes the thing that you believe. It becomes, you know, we, we often um, 
we often become the thing that we worship or the thing that we practice or the thing that we continue to do. And so these things are okay. When something is given to us, it's not a bad thing. It's a really, really good thing. I have three things I want to show you uh, very quickly, and then we'll, we'll close down and take communion together. Um, when you pray a set prayer, and we'll just say the Lord's Prayer and the Psalms or something like that, it develops within us this language, a theology, and an association. So let me just run through this very quickly. The first thing is that it gives our prayers a language. Again, let's just assume we don't even know how to pray. Like, we're all very bad at it. And I don't know what to say. Um, and, and, and if I'm asking someone, like, I want to pray, what should I say? And they say, just say what you want to say. I'm not going to say anything. I mean, that's like the worst fear of the high school kid who's gotten invited to youth group for the first time. Like, are they going to make me pray out loud? Because I don't know what to say. You know, and the well-meaning leader says, well, just say what you want to say. But it doesn't, it doesn't work that way because you don't know what to say. And so when you have a set prayer like the Lord's Prayer, the Psalms, it gives us a language. It gives us things to say. It helps us frame in words what we're trying to say. And the prayer ends up controlling me instead of me controlling the prayer. So if I'm saying the Lord's Prayer, I didn't write that. I can't claim that. I mean, we got the shirts around here that say, in Atlanta as it is in heaven. But we stole that. I don't know if you're aware of that, but we stole that. Like... That's not our phrase, right? We're not even quite sure God's okay with it, but we put it on shirts, right? <laughs> I hope this is okay, because we think it's really what you meant. But, uh, but it gives us that language. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it gives us the things to say, helps us develop that language. I mean, freestyle praying and improvisational praying is really not a true thing anyway. Back to music. If you watch a jazz band and they, they're just jamming, like it's like this 10-minute tangent, and you're like, wow, just they're just making that up as they go. And they might be, but the truth is, for those of you who are musicians, you know this, they're not breaking musical rules. They're freestyling within a set, organized theory of music. They're doing what works within the boundaries of music. They're not playing the wrong notes. They're playing the right notes that go with the key. And so the freedom, you know, often like the freedom to pray and freestyle and feeling like you're improving and just saying what you want to say is really, uh, it works best from an already set language. One that you've almost mastered to the point where your prayers they know how to jam and then to come back in. But I think it begins with just simply, okay, Jesus said pray this, so let's just pray this. Let's start with the words that he's given us because it helps us with our language. It also shapes our theology. Because, you know, if you just say what you want to say, who knows what you're going to say? And if you don't know what to say, you could just say some weird stuff. And God's okay with the weird stuff, but it's just like it's never going to be rooted in the theology that matters. So if you're praying the Psalms, you're, you're kind of in this, you're not kind of, you are, you're like right at the intersection of, you know, God's time and our time and his space and our space, but we're speaking his words. And so we're developing this kind of 
theology about who it is that we're praying to and his work in the world, and it helps us develop that. The, the longer version of the Lord's Prayer goes like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. I mean, just if you run through this, you end up with a few theological things that are key. And this is, again, you learn these things as you pray them. I mean, it begins, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It begins with like this position, like what's my position in the world versus God's position in the world? So you learn, you start to like frame your prayers with a proper positional theology. Like God is Father in heaven, his name is hallowed, it's holy, it's bigger than mine, of course. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We start to learn that, again, this is what Jesus says to pray. Like, pray that God's kingdom comes here. What does that mean? It's that God's ways burst forth in the midst of our world. Like, that's, this is the invitation to pray locally. This is the invitation to pray that we get to witness the grace and the mercy and the justice of God now. And so, what theology are we learning there? Well, we're learning that God cares about his earth. He cares about the people who live here. And it's not something we, life isn't like this temporary thing that we're waiting, you know, for heaven. But that we somehow pray that heaven comes to earth. That his ways happen here on earth as they do in heaven. Oftentimes you can phrase it this way, like this whole your kingdom come is like bringing God's future into the present. Like, this is the invitation to pray. You learn this theology about, okay, God is interested now in healing and justice and mercy and grace now. And it goes on to say, give us, our, give us this day our daily bread. What's that about? God is a provider. Forgive us our debts, sins, right? That's usually where we start, isn't it? Okay, God, I'm sorry, and then give me these things. Um, forgive us our debts, we don't like the, the next part, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Goes together, right? And then, so we learn that God is a forgiving God, etc. We can go to him with our struggles. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. And I just love the word deliver, like deliverance. Like, that's what we're praying for. So you have this theology that you're building about God. That his position in the world, the hope that we pray for with his kingdom coming his provision, his forgiveness, his deliverance, all of that. So when we pray a set prayer like the Lord's Prayer, it gives us a language, it shapes our theology, but it also, it announces this association that we have with the God of the universe. Let me break this down for you. There's an ancient tradition where teachers would have certain prayers that they would teach their students. Um, rabbis would do this later on. They had certain prayers, and their students would have these prayers memorized. And it was, in a lot of ways, just a way that we teach, you know, uh, certain things to people. You know, here's the way I do it, you do it this way, and there you go. But it was also this identification piece of, like, I belong to such and such teacher. Look at what it says in Luke 11. I only did the uh, Lord teach us to pray, but notice what it says next. Teach us to pray as... Uh, John taught his disciples to pray. Who's John? John's Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, that guy. He's got his own disciples too. And 
evidently he has taught them to pray. And so this question, this request of Jesus is kind of about that. Like, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Give us a prayer. Give us something to say. Right? And so part of this is, obviously, we need to learn to pray. We're always learning. But give us something to say. And what happens is, when you have this prayer come down from your teacher to the student, it identifies you as the student. It identifies you as that person. And so he gives them the Lord's Prayer, the short version in Luke, the longer version in, in Matthew we can read as well. But, so they have this prayer. And let me just sort of prove the point to you that this prayer, to quote my friend Derek Lehman, says that the Lord's Prayer is the mark of Jesus on the lips of his disciples. This is what this means. Put this into practice today. So when you go to Roasters for lunch, uh, your food comes to the table, stand up, and recite the Lord's Prayer out loud. Now, a lot of people in the restaurant will think, I love the city, right? Uh, (laughs) A lot of people in the restaurant will think, this guy's crazy or whatever. But everybody will say, oh, that's the Jesus prayer. Are you with me on this? No one will say, isn't that uh, Muhammad's prayer or Buddha's prayer or somebody's prayer? Oh, no, that's the Jesus prayer. I've heard this before. I've heard it at weddings. I've heard it at church. I've heard, I learned that as a kid. It's the Jesus prayer. That's the prayer of Jesus. The Lord's prayer. That's the prayer that Jesus told his people to pray. And so when we pray it, it not only gives us a language to prayer, it not only helps us, you know, it shapes our theology, but it also announces our association with the God of the universe and his son, Jesus. Same is true with the Psalms. You pray the Psalms, it's an association. It says who you're praying to. Does it make sense? And so I love that Jesus gives us this prayer, not just as a way to teach us, but it ultimately draws us in to who he is and what God's doing in the world and how we can play a part in that. Now, let me tell you about my own prayer discipline um, or lack of discipline. Um, You didn't laugh, so that really frightens me. Uh, (laughs) I guess you guys are awesome at prayer. But um, I, as far as set prayers, let me tell you what I do. There are three prayers that I pray every day, and they are set prayers. Uh, They are, I I always pray the Eastern Orthodox prayer, which is very short, and it is... Uh, have mercy on me, for I am a what? A sinner. I pray that every day. Followed by a portion of the Jewish Shema prayer, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I pray a second half to that, which is the second greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love your neighbor as yourself. How do you pray that? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and my neighbor as myself. And then I pray the Lord's Prayer. Those are the first three prayers I pray any time that I pray. So if I'm praying uh, in the morning time, those, those are the first three that come out. And then from there, I get into whatever else it is that I want to pray about. Why do I do that? Well, it keeps me from rushing into whatever else that is I think I need to tell God about. It, and this is probably not for today, it connects me 
with a worldwide prayer because all of the great traditions are saying these things. So I, I feel like I'm praying with the church, not just in the church, but with the church at large, worldwide. Uh, it is also rooted in, I feel like I need to be rooted in the tradition that Jesus was rooted in. So I'm quoting the Shema, I'm reading the Shema, I'm saying it. And the love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said that's the second greatest commandment. I figure that's important. Uh, it's behind love God, love neighbors. the second. I just figure I need, I need help with that. So I pray that. And then the Lord's Prayer, I pray that because Jesus said, say this. And I, Jesus sometimes scares me. So he says, say this, I'll say it, right? You come back from the dead, you win, I'll say what you say, right? <laughs> so Jesus says, say this, I say it. And we were thinking about this because I'm going to challenge you to say the Lord's Prayer every day this week. That's, that's my challenge to you. We're going to do it together in here on Sunday so you can check that one off. But you're on your own tomorrow, right? But it just hit us, and this is, you know, I mean, I'm the pastor here, and it just hit us that our 11-year-old doesn't know the Lord's Prayer by heart. Like, oh my gosh, you know? Have mercy on me, Lord, I'm a sinner, right? We start there. <laughs> I'm so bad. I'm such a bad pastor and father. But, uh, but he did get a skateboard. Um, so we're, like, really excited about this week. You know, maybe you're not, but, like, we're really excited about he's going to learn this thing by the end of the week, you know? And uh, so I just, I want to challenge you, you know, what do you do with this message? I want to challenge you to take the Lord's Prayer. You can do the short version in Luke if you want, just a couple verses, or you can do the long version in Matthew, but I want you to just say it every day. Like, that's how you start your prayer. That's it. And maybe that's the only thing you pray every day, all week. Like, just forget about all the other stuff. Don't worry about it. Just say the Lord's Prayer. Cover that prayer. Like, you're just going to cover that prayer over and over and over again. Do that every day, all week. And when you come back in here next week, we'll talk about what it means to get away from that and to just speak to God openly. How do we do that? And what's that like? But for now, for this week, just go back to square one. I'm going with you, right? Go back to square one and just say the thing that Jesus told us to say. Can you do that? It's very easy. Uh, let's say it together. I've got it on the screen for us, and then I will close in a personal prayer uh, following this, and then we'll take communion uh, together. Let's all stand, and we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Jesus taught us to pray in this way. We all say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. God, thank you for that prayer. It has been said for thousands of years. And God, it is rich with Scripture. It is rich with who you are and God, maybe we've blown that off because we grew up with it, but help us to re-engage with its words. God, help us to grow and learn more about prayer. And God, as we walk through this together as a congregation over the next few weeks, I pray for answered prayer. I pray for resolution. I pray for healing in the lives of people in here. I pray... Um, you just draw us closer to you as a church and as individuals, as families. Um, 
And Father, as we take communion just now, I pray that you um, just move through the room and let your spirit move through the room and encourage us as we take this bread and drink this juice. It reminds us of your great love and mercy for us. Thank you again for the words of prayer that you give us. And it's with those and in your name that we do pray. And everyone said, amen. You can make your way to one of the four.